My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hello and welcome to episode 94, but it's also the last Legally Clueless episode of the year. <laughs> We've had a different episode every week this year and it's been so amazing to be able to share this space with you. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, remember you can join our online fam on Instagram at Legally Clueless Podcast, and I love to eavesdrop on any convos about the podcast. So <laughs> if you're going to tweet about it, you can use the hashtag Legally Clueless. I'm so excited that there's finally silence in my hood. Actually, quite a few of you have been making fun of my disclaimers. <laughs> Oh, my neighbor's kid. Oh, my neighbor's pump. But honestly, like this morning, it was four kids because obviously it's the holidays. Like the opposite neighbors, they have their nieces and nephews over, the neighbors on the ground floor as well. So this morning, there was a gang of kids, one with a bicycle that if you press a particular button, it just starts playing these weird ass songs. I don't know why a bicycle would need to have. Anyway, <laughs> and they were all right outside my recording window. It was so irritating. So I had to go outside and their mom was there and I don't think she was too happy about it. But anyway, surely it's Sunday. <laughs> oh my God, so I'm that mean neighbor who tells the kids to keep quiet. But actually shout out to Sharon Jebitok on Twitter, who was just like, yo, I love those background noises, <laughs> disclaimers. <laughs> Those little people are cute, but they are so noisy. I'm really sending my love to all parents because if it's this noisy and they're not even in my home, what happens when they're, eh? <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. But how was your Christmas week? I do hope it was fantastic. I did the usual, which is spend time with my sisters and their partners and my niece, of course. It was her first Christmas, so that was like super exciting. We all met up at my sister's place, Amanda, and had cake, ate nonstop. Like I still have the leftovers even in my fridge. My niece got to cut the Christmas cake. Well, kinda. <laughs> She's only just getting to six months old. She didn't know what was happening. She was more interested in the wrapping paper than the actual gifts that we'd gotten her. But I think she had a good day. It feels so beautiful to have the first Christmas with the first member of our next generation. You know what I mean? So that was really special for me. Part of me sometimes you know, during the day was wishing that my mom was there because she loved Christmas. She loved kids and kids just loved my mom so much. And it would have been so magical for her to be there for her granddaughter's first Christmas. But I guess she was in terms of like energy and just feeling her warmth. I know talking like that sometimes weirds out people but I do believe that when people die they just transition into another form and I'll tell you why I believe that on another day <laughs> I don't want to weird you out at the beginning of the episode so let's jump into the song of the week and I've chosen this song because the two times that it has played outside of my home outside of my own playlist has been moments of such immense joy for me. I don't know. I wish, <laughs> I don't know if I can transfer that joy through the song to you. <laughs> and it's also a beautiful song. So it's by Ram Gold 
and it's called Waiting For, and it's featuring Jamila Woods. I've spoken about Jamila Woods before on this podcast, shared some of her music as well. She used to be a poet. She started off as a poet. I think she's from Chicago, and I just absolutely love her music, and this song is just so wonderful. It brings me so many beautiful memories, and I just hope you can feel that same warmth when you listen to it. So I've put a link to the song in the description of this episode. I hope you enjoy it. And speaking of songs, I'm really hoping that this week I put out a Legally Clueless 20. Just looking at all the songs of the week of the year, picking 20 and putting them on a list and you can add those songs onto your playlist. Or maybe I should even make... Oh no, that's a lot of work. (laughs) Y'all, I'm trying to rest this week, but I'll pick 20 and put them on like a Legally Clueless 20 list, which I'll share on our Instagram page so that you can add them onto your playlist. So this episode is going to be a bit different. I decided not to put any 100 African story only because it's the last episode of the year and I want to start a new tradition with this podcast because this has been such a monumental year for me. I want the last episode of every year to be 12 lessons that I've learned in the year. So when I was prepping for this, I decided to just be jotting down the lessons across the week as they came to me because 2020 feels like it's been 24 years long. Like there were some lessons I was writing. I was like, what? I learned this one this year. It feels like it's been 10 years, but it's been a long year. It's been a hard year for many people. But for me, it's been challenging. Yes. But one of those years that has stretched me, that has grown me. I feel like I've really come farther deeper into myself this year. I've really understood my business, my career. It's, it's taught me so many lessons. So here are my 12 lessons of 2020. So the first lesson I actually learned at the very beginning of this dreadful year. <laughs> and it was to really investigate what emotions are informing my decisions. The reason I say January is when I learned how important this is is because that's the month that I let go of my former management. One of the reasons was that I realized I was keeping them around me and probably other people as well around me out of fear, out of lacking confidence in my ambitions, my plans career-wise that is. So I'd keep people around just so that I didn't feel alone. And a decision like having a management team on the outside looking in really does look like a mature decision, a well-informed decision. It looks like "Mm, that person has her shit together. But if you investigate and evaluate the emotions driving that decision, then it makes you kind of second guess that decision altogether. So I realized that whatever decision I'm going to make, I have to really spend time figuring out, is it fear that's driving me to do this? Is it my gut? Do I genuinely just want to do this particular thing? And I think that's a huge lesson that I want to share with you. The second I learned because of this podcast, just because something doesn't exist doesn't mean you can't be the first to create it. A lot of my fear around starting this podcast came from not seeing people leave mainstream radio jobs to start their own media things. In fact, I remember my late mom joking about 
media personalities and saying, you guys just hop from job to job, from media house to media house, because that's what does happen. And that's what I saw, where you'd leave media house A and be poached by media house B. That was the norm. So when I was leaving, the one thing I was sure about is that I did not want to work in anybody else's business, in anybody else's media house. But I was so scared because I'd never seen anybody (laughs) jump out and like start a podcast. You know, and I have to still keep reminding myself that just because something doesn't exist doesn't mean you cannot be amongst the first to create it. I'm going to keep on with the theme around career and work before I get into lessons on relationships and stuff. This next lesson, I think, will benefit those who are starting a business or some kind of enterprise based around things that you create things that you actually even enjoy creating because that's what's happened with me I started the podcast and then with time realized it can actually grow to be a media enterprise and be something that can bring in revenue but one thing I struggled with was how do I cost this thing that I love doing and that I really enjoy doing that I don't even feel like it's work (laughs) I really love doing it and sometimes you can get so lost in that love for the creation process that you forget or you lose touch of the business side of things and maybe you do not have the luxury of having a business partner who comes in with that mandate at the beginning most times I mean look at me you are handling it all by yourself so one lesson that I've learned is to cost everything the time it takes you to create what you create what softwares and resources you need what amenities do you need so things like electricity um, your internet connection your airtime these things that help you create what you create and create it well and in a conducive environment and write down every skill that you bring to the table so for example I am the host of the podcast I also record the podcast I also produce the podcast those are three different things But in my creative head that loves the process, I'm just like, yo, I'm having fun just vibing with you guys. But when I put on my business hat, I've got to separate all of those things. They are their own job description. If I had Beyonce budget, they'd be like three different people. (laughs) Myself hosting and that person here to press record another one producing, you know what I mean? So you kind of have to write all of those things down and then cost each of them. And that will help you have an informed approach when you're trying to figure out your rate cards or even projections of where you want your business to grow to. And the next lesson, which I'm so glad that I learned this year because it has really helped my self-esteem as a businesswoman as somebody who negotiates, like, I wish I learned this years ago. And the lesson is, have the audacity to pitch for double your worth or even more. You know, sometimes, especially when you're starting small, you have a small business, maybe you're a freelancer, maybe you're self-employed, you kind of go to the negotiation table thinking that whoever you're pitching to will be doing you a favor by putting their money into your product or into your service or into your platform. You go to that negotiation table forgetting the value that you have. So you play it small 
if you have costed everything down and let's just throw a random figure out there, it costs 200,000 Kenya shillings to do whatever around your product, around your service or your platform. When you go to that table and they tell you, oh, we only have budget for 100,000. You almost say, you know what, let me take this because, you know, it's, it's like they're really seeing my value. You tell yourself, they're such a big company. I must be very grateful that they're even looking in my direction, which honestly is just bullshit. By the time either they're approaching you, they have seen your value. By the time you're walking into pitch to them, you've walked in with value. You're not mad, like you've not walked in with a half-assed idea. You know exactly why you're there. You'll believe 100% in this thing you're pitching and you know that you need certain terms met for you to be able to deliver your best. It's not unreasonable of you to want those things. You deserve it. You're worth it. I really had to learn to have a sprinkle of that audacity. And I'm so glad that I did because not only have I been getting my worth out of commercial partnerships, but I've also learned when to walk away. I think I shared it on the podcast. I've walked away from like a pretty huge brand (laughs) this year because the terms just didn't make sense to my business. And I remember telling the guy, from the agency representing this brand that it feels like them not the agency the the brand doesn't respect my business because the terms they they've sent just don't make any business sense i'd be running on a loss so i literally just said no adele even one year ago would not have said no i would have been like oh it's such a big brand i want to be associated it's Not what I would have wanted, but let me just try and impress them. Forgetting your value, forgetting just the fundamentals of how your business (laughs) can run effectively. And then now you start making decisions mm -hmm, fueled by self-doubt, which is not a very firm foundation. I'm so thankful I learned that lesson this year. so thankful. Still on business, another lesson that I learned, and I really want to share these business tips because I think we're getting into a space where many of us are freelancers. Many of us are trying to create a business entity around our passions. And I learned that it's important to start the money or compensation conversation from the moment an organization reaches out to you or from the moment they are listening to your pitch. Compensation conversations do not have to be uncomfortable. But because of negotiation, I think certain parties delay that conversation to be able to strong arm the other party into agreeing to something that doesn't benefit them. So you push this compensation conversation to the very last day where it's crunch time and the freelancer or the small business or whatever, the entrepreneur has, what, 24 hours to urgently make a decision as to whether they're okay with this compensation or not. That's a rushed decision. And so you then as the freelancer or the small business owner, you start feeling like, oh man, I've been talking to these guys for so long. I don't want it to go to a waste. This is really not what I would have loved to have been getting. But 
you know, we need to start this campaign tomorrow. So you agree. That's a negotiation trick they just pulled on you. Compensation does not need to be an awkward conversation. Imagine. Have it right from the beginning. So what I did, I have a terms of engagement deck that I created. I sent that along with my proposal. By the second meeting latest or second phone call or whatever the client or potential client has it so that then really it's somebody's prerogative to say okay we agree with this one this one this one this one is there any way to change it up and then you're free to think about it i mean you have enough time to think about it and say actually yeah i guess i can be flexible on this one or say no actually those those are not flexible terms you know you two can then decide whether you're going to do business together or you're just going to go your separate ways which is not the end of the world and it's not bad not everybody has to do business (laughs) together you know what I mean I think that's it for like my business ones I did learn a lesson around friendships this year I it was a very bitter lesson to learn because you always think that your friendships will last forever. You always want them to. And especially friendships that end not because of something bad that happened. The ones that just fizzle out. I feel like that's even harder to <laughs> to come to terms with. Because you're just like, I wish we'd even had an argument. So then at least there would be something that would explain this drift. But yeah, the lesson was just that not all friendships are meant to last. Maybe you're more attached to a friend than they are to you, which is not bad, which is not bad. I learned in my head, I go into a friendship with like a hundred percent. I guess that's because the closest friendships I have outside of my partner are my two sisters and two other friends, right? Those friendships are so deep. Like I feel like I can be completely real with them. I can count on them 100%. I talk to these people every day. So I go into friendships (laughs) with that kind of intensity. And sometimes it's not reciprocated, which is not a bad thing. So I learned that I get very attached to a friend. And in my head, I think it's this deep 100% giving friendship And I never stop to think that perhaps on their end, that's not how they're viewing the friendship. So instead of sitting and wondering what's happening with this friendship, (laughs) is it on or is it off? It's just to understand that people are different and not all friendships are meant to last. If it's fizzling out on its own, it just is. And it's, it's just life. You don't have to get uncomfortable trying to hang on to something. You need to know when to let go. Next lesson in terms of relationships. Do not be afraid of creating a relationship that works for you two or you three or however many. I'm not judging. No matter how unconventional that relationship is. As long as it's comfy for you and your partner or partners, that's all that matters. You know, sometimes you try and force yourself to subscribe to what's normal. Even in terms of inside the relationship, if you're talking about rules, you think that the way you've been conditioned to believe relationships work is the only way. But it is good to (laughs) critically analyze things and ask yourself why you believe certain truths to be true and also question the efficiency of certain 
truths that have been handed to you. Obviously, a major key is knowing who you are, what you love, what you do not love, the conditions that are comfortable for you, the things you battle with, the things you're strong in, and being able to communicate that to a potential partner. And then together, finding a system that works for you. In that process, if that system is not conventional, there's absolutely no problem with that. As long as the two of you are absolutely comfortable in that space. And still on relationships, another lesson that I learned is that nothing is ever constant. You your partner or partners are evolving and the environment around you are evolving as well. So for example, Fal, who is my partner and I, when we got together, he was running a business with his dad and I was an employee. I was working at Kiss FM by the time we started dating. We've known each other longer, but this is from when we started dating. And then by the time we were getting married in 2017, his business was shutting down and he was transitioning into employment. I fucking hated my job at that time. In fact, 2017, I was meant to resign that December, but then a lot was happening, man. We just got married. So we postponed that decision, but I was really hating my job. When we met, I loved my job. Like I was happy and beaming about it. He now was reintegrating back into employment. So you see our environments had changed, which then obviously has an effect on us. I think I was a very unhappy (laughs) and difficult person to be around at that time. I kept busting out in tears, lashing out. Eh, I was just horrible. But what is very important is in your relationship to leave room for this evolving to happen both internally as an individual and then the environment around you will constantly be changing and then just have regular check-ins because as your environment is changing and as you're evolving you're letting go of certain truths picking up others you're unlearning this learning that which is great it's it's beautiful part of the human journey I think but it's always good to check in to make sure you're still kind of headed in similar directions (laughs) in this relationship of yours couple therapy really helps with that it helps having a third party on the outside kind of look in but then not everybody is receptive to that you can do group couple therapy which is also very amazing but yeah that space leaving that space for you to evolve and knowing that your environments will evolve as well is so important. I think people go into relationships thinking it's going to stay the same as when you <laughs> when you checked in, which is irrational because the only thing that is constant is change. Even the environment around you is changing. So it's a very important lesson that I think I've I've been learning it slowly from 2018, 2019, and then 2020, I could articulate it and we kind of have a good working system between us now where I'm like, wow, thank God we learned that. <laughs> All right. I hope you enjoyed those first eight lessons. And the last four are more for personal growth and your relationship with yourself. I think I've done a lot of work around that in the last couple of months. So lesson number nine first has everything to do with sex. <laughs> oh my God. I think anybody who has been through sexual trauma or some form of trauma around loving their body understands how difficult it is to piece together that love for yourself 
love for your body, understanding what brings your body pleasure and how to share that moment with others. I was raped in 2008. I started therapy not too long afterwards. We started having conversations around sex, sensuality, and my relationship with my body in therapy probably from the very beginning, but we zeroed in on it a lot from right before I got married. And it's been a constant theme since then. And it's only now that I can even openly, you know, outside of my therapist or my partner, talk about sex articulate the love for my body, wear clothes that are revealing my body, you know? <laughs> it's it's a beautiful moment, but also a part of me is like, wow, it's taken me so long to get here. So much time was wasted, but then I try and focus more on the fact that I'm here. So the lesson around that part was that sex is wonderful and it can be wonderful again, especially after sexual trauma. It takes a lot of mental work to get to that point. It takes a lot of love for your body, which is so hard, so hard. It's it's an everyday thing for me to constantly affirm myself and, and show my body love. And it's also going to take you to have an open mind. So many years later, I never thought I would ever get to this point. But getting here has taught me that lesson. And I'm just so glad and so proud as well that I've I've gotten to this point that I if, if you have survived some form of trauma that has broken your love for yourself, your love for your body, your sensuality, your sexuality, I hope my story can show you that it will be wonderful again. Next lesson is all around self-care. This year I learned that self-care is definitely not just the easy things. Like <laughs> I used to be the person who thought shopping and gifting myself things was self-care. Oh, you did well. Let's go buy you your favorite chocolate so your favorite fast food dish um, or take you out to a restaurant or do a face mask you know what I mean things that feel good and that are easy to do and I realized this year and I think I shared it on one of the podcasts that self-care is also the uncomfortable and painful shit too <laughs> like even though it's painful even though it's uncomfy it's showing yourself care and more often than not those ones are the ones that your body really does need so for me it was kicking out coffee from my diet it's therapy and sticking to therapy and doing what i'm asked to do in therapy is self-care <laughs> It's uncomfortable as fuck because I have to relive certain things that I hate or things that I've tried to forget that I went through. It's uncomfortable because sometimes I have to admit my faults and collect that L. <laughs> but then, you know, you come out with tools and you come out wanting better for yourself and you know you're going there and you're going through it to show yourself care. Yep. So it's it's the uncomfy and the painful stuff as well, self-care. Two more lessons. Okay. So lesson number 11. Ooh, I love this one. I love it so much because it really has brought me peace. Have I subscribed to it 100%? No, sometimes I do fail. But on the moments where I stick it through and like really subscribe to it, ah, it brings me so much peace. The lesson is 
you've got to figure out what you have control over and what you don't have control over. As a control freak (laughs) and an overthinker, this is very difficult to do. But I learned this in therapy, actually, that, and maybe it's human nature, we have this urge to want to control things or not only control, define things and control things. And think we have it all figured out. And we're scared out of our minds to admit that we don't have it figured out. And we do not have control over the big things. Which shouldn't be the reaction you have. Knowing should bring you peace. Knowing that you do not have control over the big things. Should elicit a reaction of, okay, so now what's left in my control? Oh, these tiny things here. (laughs) No probs. I got that knowing should bring you peace and sometimes it does sometimes it really brings me so much peace and sometimes it makes me freak the hell out but I've learned that before I start overthinking and losing my mind over whatever the situation is at the very beginning I step back and I try and ask myself okay Adele what do you really have control over in this situation and then I realize well, I don't have control over how that person is reacting. I can't control the decisions this one is making. I have an event. I don't know when. I can't control the weather. Like, <laughs> And then now you approach the situation from that really did actually happen with the book launch. <laughs> well, the book preview rather. <sighs> anyway, but you start approaching situations from a, a space of what you have control over. And it brings so much peace. I'm still trying to master this particular lesson, but I'm kind of loving the peace it brings. So I'm committed to mastering it. Although the control freak and overthinker in me is very fierce (laughs) and alive. (laughs) All right, we're down to the final lesson. This one I really love. This one I've learned through this podcast, through listening to the stories, through my work with my initiative. I never thought I would be here. I never thought I would be working in a space or in the spaces that I'm most passionate about or for. (laughs) I, I didn't think that was possible. I always had this weird feeling that we always had to settle and that you couldn't really design a life that brings you joy, an unconventional life. I always thought that inevitably you would have to settle and you would have to get back into the system and even if it's uncomfortable, suck it up. But this lesson is so important and I remind myself of it probably more than is healthy that you can actually be and achieve anything. It sounds so cliche, but if you keep telling yourself those words i can't explain it like you you get so lost and intoxicated by those words it becomes your truth and slowly all of these barriers that we've been conditioned to have start coming down because now you're unlearning that and you're adopting a new truth you can actually be and achieve anything but it's gonna need you to unshackle yourself from the norms from the expectations and what i've learned that helps is letting your steps be guided by your imagination. It's pretty wild in there. If you have an imagination like mine, it gets pretty wild. (laughs) But these last two to three years of my life, I refuse to reduce who I am. And you should too. 
So those are my 12 lessons. <laughs> I hope you resonated with some of them. And I'd love to hear yours as well, by the way. If you have lessons around business, career, relationships, personal development, it would be so interesting to hear what those are for you. You can send them to the Legally Clueless hotline number, which is plus 254-768-628-790. But it's also in the description of this episode. That's also the number if you want to share your story on this podcast. Yes, 100 African Stories will be back next week in 2021. <laughs> if you want to share your story, just record a one minute story demo, send it to that number. And the story demo is just you telling me a bit about the story you want to share and we'll take it from there. If you hear something on this podcast that you resonate with and you want to share a feeling about it, this is a space for not only me, but also you. So you can just record a WhatsApp audio note and send that to the hotline number as well. Hi, Adele. I just wanted to say thank you for the inspiring and encouraging work that you're doing with Legally Clueless. It's really amazing. It's actually the first podcast that I've ever listened to. I was really touched by the episode on Aching. I actually follow her on Instagram. I'm also a model in Kenya. And, you know, I look up to quite a number of uh, models who have been making it for, especially the dark skin models across the globe. And, you know, hearing her story, it's just it's, it was really quite amazing and it actually inspired me to also start talking about my modeling journey in Kenya. Oh my word, a Ching story was definitely one of my favorites as well and I'm so glad that you resonated with it and you also happen to be in the same industry as well. That's really magical. I'm just remembering that story and you know me, I love stories that have a happy ending. But yeah, thanks for sending to that audio note and remember that the podcast hotline number is open for you to send through your messages. It might take me some time to get back to each and every one of you, but I always respond to each and every one. Also, remember this podcast plays on Trace Radio in Kenya every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 9 a.m and at 8 p.m. as well. So head over to traceradio.co.ke. There's a list of the frequencies. So wherever you are in Kenya, if you've traveled during these holidays, you can still catch up with Legally Clueless on Trace. And on traceradio.co.ke, by the way, you can also stream the radio station there. So wherever you are in the world, actually, you can tune in. However, I do hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you took something from the lessons. I hope to make this an annual, what, tradition that the last episode of the year is all about lessons. Even for me, it's really made me do a lot of stock taking, just preparing for this episode. So I enjoyed it. I hope you do too. And I wish you a 2021 drenched in not only the COVID vaccine, but in love, in peace, in light, and in consciousness. Yeah, that's what I wish for you. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.